you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and this is another bonus episode. We recently had a few conversations with some people about airport protocols and issues that they've had on planes and various stories uh, that just are frankly unbelievable about where we're at two years in, everybody acting like they don't know what the rules are or still having that streak of defiance where the rules apply to anyone but them. And it has been frustrating. So we're going to talk about it. Let's get on with the show. So recently I was on a flight from Austin to LA and it was after a weekend of being there and it was a lovely weekend, had a great time, late flights out on Sunday just to have the day. And so it was a, I think like a 730 flight out. I say that because it wasn't as if people were, you know, crabby from the morning or running late from work because it was a Sunday. I mean, people work on Sundays, but, you know, it was just the time frame of the flight and the day of the flight. I could understand people being tired, but combative felt sort of like a weird and different choice for me. And so I was getting onto the flight and no real issues, couldn't really tell, but it was taking a while to get into the plane. And the plane was definitely at the gate and first class was already in there. And I think business class was also in there. There were a hand smattering of people that were already on the plane. And then they stopped letting us in the boarding door. And I thought that was weird. And so we're all just kind of standing there waiting for our tickets to be scanned. So we're not even on the, I think it's called the bridgeway that gets you from the actual building onto the plane. And so we're sitting there, we're sitting there, we're sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, well, something is wrong. Something has happened and it's never a great feeling. And I am not uh, adept at managing my anxiety on flights. I get really scared. And I think if I don't say the exact same phrase before every flight, which I always say that the plane's going to go down, it's crazy. I understand this. But anyway, whenever there is a flow interruption, my anxiety is pretty high. And so we're standing there, we're standing there. And then finally they start scanning tickets again. And I thought, you know, sometimes the flow just sort of bottlenecks onto a flight and that's normal and whatever. So we're getting on to the flight and I hear something over the radio, but I can't make it out. And then this flight attendant comes very quickly out of the plane and onto, I'm going to keep calling it the bridgeway because I refuse to Google what it actually is. And goes up, has a conversation with presumably the gate agent or someone else, and then breezes right back past us. And so the thing that is always, I think that heightens the travel experience, regardless of if it's, you know, COVID times or not, is when you feel like people have information that's going to directly affect you, but they can't really tell you and you can kind of tell that is what is happening. That's how it felt. And so I kept thinking, okay, something's going on. So that flight attendant gets back into the flight, as I said, and we're walking past and there was a gentleman behind me who he and I both had um, like formal wear we needed to hang up in the front of the plane and shout out to my mom for knowing that was a thing that you could do. I just thought I was going to have to sit with a dress on my lap and she's like, no, you can ask them to hang it. I thought, oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) I'm a child. So 
he and I are both dealing with a different flight attendant and we just happen to be in line together. And so we're dealing with the front closet. And so I hear volume increasing in the back of the plane. But as people go into a flight that it didn't strike me as some sort of volatility. And so we hang up our stuff and we keep walking, filing back. We get to our seats and we're in the very back of the plane. I'm super fancy. And he and I were just sort of chit-chatting across the aisle. And then we sort of get back to whatever it was we were doing. And all of a sudden, this gentleman, mm, I use that word loosely, sits down in the middle of in the he's got a middle seat in the row right in front of me to the left. And he doesn't have a mask on. And he also doesn't have it, you know, hanging around his chin or anything else. And so I was like, this is so annoying because at the end of the day, there's no more concentrated environment to just catch whatever's airborne than on a flight because it's recirculated air and a flight is very small as anyone listening who's been on a plane knows. And so I look at him and I'm like, oh, here we go. You can just tell. And I'm not dragging Texas, but I will say I was accosted about having a mask on when I, you know, didn't need to. And now granted that was not this trip. This was a previous trip to Austin, but I just like someone got in my face at a comedy club and was like, we don't do that here. Take your mask off. And it's just like, whatever, all that's a separate issue about rights and whatever. I'm not even going to get into that. So I was sort of on edge in Texas anyway. And so I thought getting on the flight on the way out and having there be an issue is so ironic. So this dude has no mask on. I try not to pay attention to it. I've got on my N95. I'm just ignoring it. So the flight attendant that had run into the plane, out of and into the plane when I was on the jetway, bridgeway, whatever it was, goes over to him. And I really, I got to say props to her approach because <laughs> it was very clear. She had had it. She was done. <laughs> and she goes, sir. And he doesn't look up because why would he? this, you know, middle-aged white man, not, not needing to acknowledge the woman that is trying to have a dialogue with him. He doesn't look up and she goes, excuse me, sir. And he looks up and he goes, yes. She's like, are we going to have issues? And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, you know what I'm talking about? You can wear a mask. And he was like, I don't have a mask and we're not going to have issues. And she goes, I handed you one when you walked in. So he gets it, it. It was one of those, you know, those blue sort of they're not I don't even know if I'd call them medical grade masks, but they're the blue hospital masks that if you're going to visit, you know, somebody who, God forbid, has cancer or something and you're in the chemo area, you wear the mask so as to not spread whatever. So it's not an N95, but it is still a mask. So he holds it up and again, and like refuses to look at her still just holds it in the air. And she goes, I'm gonna need you to put on your face. And he was like, okay. So then like a real smart ass, he puts it on his face, but then hovers it below his chin. And she, I'm going to stop doing the accent now because it's probably annoying everybody. But basically she was like, right, I need you to cover your nose. I need you to actually have the mask on. And he's like, I'm eating. And she goes, if we continue to have issues, we're going, there's going to, I forget, I'm messing up how she said it, but it was essentially, it wasn't a threat, but it was wear the mask or there's going to be consequences basically, which is a guess a threat. So anyway, he then says, I'm, I'm, I don't know what the problem is. I'm going to wear a mask now. God bless the people to the left and the right of him. Cause like I said, he was in a middle seat. The one dude to his right was annoyed 
And he should have been because not only does he have to sit next to this jackass who refuses to follow rules, he is now having to deal with, oh, good, this could affect our entire flight. And that's that's when I really perked up. So the guy's like, I'm eating. And she goes, okay, well, I want there to, I want to know that we're not going to have any issues. And now I think, I don't know if there's, you know, a flight attendant code speak. Probably there is. There's regular customer service code speak. This male, uh, male bodied flight attendant comes forward from the back, which was not that far away. And he says, I'm going to, I forget the woman's name. I'm just going to say Jane. He was like, Jane, do we have any issues here? And she literally goes, I'm not sure yet. And then turns and looks at the guy and says, are we going to have some issues here? And it was very annoying because it was very clear that because a male bodied person had come up, this guy was now going to not push back anymore. And so he was like, no, we're not going to have any issues. I haven't given you any issues. It's fine. So then he pulls his mask up, but just below his nose. And it's like, now this is the third time. First, you put no mask on your face. Then you put it on your chin. Now it's under your nose. Can you just do the thing that all of the rest of us have to do, that all of the rest of us are are doing? It's just, I, I don't understand this performative, I'm taking some kind of stand against this experience and I'm exerting some sort of rights and fortitude and whatever. Do you think that because you're choosing to be a jackass and you're delaying this flight getting off into the air that a any of us are going to have your back in the case of emergency? Like hope you're pulling out your own slide, boo boo. But B, that all of a sudden the federal government is going to hear about you and your performative bullshit on a flight out of Austin at 730 at night on a Sunday and think, you know what, we really should lift this mask mandate federally so that nobody has to wear it on a plane because Jim Bob in the middle of the, you know, seat in the middle seat on road 29 has really taken a stand and really stuck it to the flight attendants and the flight and literally every other person seated in that entirely sold out flight on a Sunday night when everybody just wants to get home because of Jim Bob, we're changing the rules. Thanks buddy. Way to take a stand. Like, do you really, to what end? As I always say, I, I, I don't know what he thought was going to happen because he was being a dick other than delaying the flight. So the story's not over. So this happens. He pulls his mask up because the male bodied flight attendant comes forward. That gentleman goes back and sits down. She now here's where I think that the flight attendant misstepped, but I kind of got it. Cause I have definitely been in her position where I've just had it and just, I mean like had it to the point where I'm about to be rude and uncomfortable. And so she stands behind sort of like out of his line of sight. So out of the periphery, but more next to me And she says out loud, uh, I think we're going to have issues with him. Now, I don't know if he heard her or not, but she, she had it in her head what was going to happen. And the escalation, like it was sort of, I could see it from both sides that he was absolutely being a dick. He was behaving inappropriately, but you also have a, about, I would guess over a hundred people sitting in a plane on their way to go back, presumably home on a Sunday night. And he's told you he's not going to have issues. Like he's being a dick, but he does have the mask somewhere on his face, you know? And so it was a little bit like, oh, can we not, can we not poke the lion, please? And so I don't know if he heard her, 
But as soon as she walks away, he pulls his mask down over or under his nose. Oh, because she had said, we need your mask over your nose. And he, he was like, <sighs> so he pulls it up over his nose. As soon as she walks away, he pulls it down below his nose. I'm like, and this is a man who was presenting as if he were in his fifties. I, I guess I'm just like, I get, I get that you didn't get enough hugs as a kid. I get it. And that's frustrating and terrible. And you know, it is genuinely sad. And also this flight attendant's job, especially now is so much more stressful, is so much harder. And now she, a woman of, I don't know how old she was, is having to go to toe, having to go toe to toe with a man, presumably in his mid fifties to ask him to follow the rules that literally all of us have to follow. It's just, it's so ridiculous. And I understand being frustrated with wearing a mask. I was too. I am too. I understand the underlying emotion, but it's this idea that we're in this stage of life where everybody gets to just decide they're unwilling to be uncomfortable and they're unwilling to be inconvenienced and they're unwilling to worry about anybody but themselves. And because we've cultivated this country of narcissists, now his thought process wasn't, man, I'm really annoyed at this and I really don't want to wear a mask, but everybody else around me is and I want to get this flight going, so I'm going to do that thing. It's this, I don't want to do it. You're banging on your high chair. You're a child. So she walks away from him and then the captain comes on the overhead speaker and says, hey, our flight is being delayed for takeoff, you know, and he gives some sort of vague reason as to why. And he's, and then he does that captain thing of the, and ladies and gentlemen, we will be cruising at an altitude of blah, blah, blah. If you could remember that the mask mandate is not enjoyable for any of us, we have them on up here, me and my co-captain, all of our flight attendants, they're wearing theirs, everybody on this flight, it is for the safety and benefit of everyone. And we may not agree with the mask mandate, but until the federal government says otherwise, this is what we are meant to do. So all of us who were seated near this dude are like, yo, are you listening to this? Do you hear this? Because literally the captain had to get on the main, the the speaker and, and make an announcement exclusively for you. Because there may have been other people pushing back, but he was the only one that that, that now two flight attendants and the captain had to get involved with. And in my thought, in my head, I thought, oh, they're going to ground this fucking plane. Like, we're not even going to leave the gate. But I thought, nah, no way. No way one person has that power. So time passes. We're all on the flight. Boarding doors shut. Time passes. Time passes. All of a sudden, the captain gets back on the overhead speaker and says, okay, so folks, um, we're having an issue with the... There's like a... As everyone knows, who's ever watched any plane crash movie... There's obviously a black box recorder that, you know, tracks everything that happens in the flight, all the announcements, all the audio, all the everything, right? And he says that there's some glitch in the black box. He doesn't know exactly what it is, but they're having a mechanic take a look, but we all have to get off the flight. Now, I was on a flight once, I'm not kidding, where we were mid takeoff and one of the engines exploded. And when the engine blew, the flight landed very quickly, very like immediately went forward and landed. And the, the sound was so loud, we all sort of knew. And it was one of those experiences, if you're scared to fly like I am, when it happened, I was super calm because I was like, oh, this is 
this is about the worst case scenario minus someone being on the plane and hijacking it. This is, this is as scary as it can get minus landing on water. So there's two scenarios that are worse, but I was super calm. Even when that happened, when the engine blew, they drove us back to the gate and they didn't get us off the plane for the mechanic to take a look at the engines. So for a black box recorder to have an, something about the intake being messed up, and that's the reason we're all deplaning because he said, I now need everybody to get off of this flight while we figure this out. Please grab all of your things. This may not be the plane that we are taking out. Now, on the hierarchy of things, I don't build planes, don't work for Boeing, don't have a degree in aeronautical, whatever the hell the words are. But I can tell you, I would assume, no, I, I, I'm going to assume that having fully functioning engines on the flight is far more pressing than the black box recorder. Of, of the two priorities, I'm going to say engines probably up there, top five. I thought it was super odd that we have to get all of our stuff. And then I thought, oh, fuck, this is about this other dude. Now, I didn't think the whole thing was. I don't think you can't just make up a problem. Well, I guess you could or whatever. But I just thought, oh, they're going to lose a lot of money because the, I think the FAA fines you if you're like late, which is part of why Delta overestimates their flight times and says it's going to take six and a half hours to fly from, you know, Colorado to Kentucky when really that's like a three hour flight or whatever. They overestimate so that they're not getting fined and also so that their statistics for their investors, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? All This is not about that. So we're all getting our stuff and I'm like, this is so annoying. So we all exit the flight. And now no one's talking to us. The gate agents have put up their BRB kind of signs and they all go on the jet, jet bridge, jetway. They're all behind the door, basically. And <laughs> shockingly, what's his name with the mask uh, under the nose is freaking out. He is so mad. And he starts yelling and he's like, they need to let us know what's going on. How come they're not telling us anything? Then he's going up to an empty, an empty kiosk, an empty desk. Nobody's there. And he's put his arm down and he's like, somebody needs to answer these questions. You owe us an announcement. You owe us uh, letting us know when the flight is taking off. To whom, sir? To whom are you speaking? There is no one around you. Oh, dear God, you were one row ahead of me. Thank God the black box isn't working or it's they're lying and saying it's not working because I don't want to be on a flight with you. So, Legitimately, there had to have been something going on because then we sat in the airport for, I think it ended up being two hours before we, and, and it was a lot of people were getting rebooked on flights for the morning. A lot of people were getting hotels. And I was at the stage where I was just like, I've got all my stuff with me in here. It's worse for me to have to leave the airport and come back because it's just such a stressful experience to get there. So I was like, please just let us fly out. So they start rebooking people and he's one of the gentlemen that chooses in quotes to get a flight in the morning. And so we're, I'm like one of the last people in line. Cause at this point I was just like, whatever, I just don't, you get it to a certain point with traveling where you just don't have the fight. And I just didn't, I was like, okay, either they're going to rebook me or they're not. And by the time I got to the, the gate or the desk or whatever, the woman's like, oh, yeah, all of our flights for tomorrow are booked in, until like eight, seven or eight at night. So, you know, that's the flight I can put you on. And I was like, great. Sounds great. And she goes, but there's still a chance that this flight will take off. And so whatever happened in the plane, right, that needed to happen, 
there were, I would say, probably 30% of the people who had already rebooked and left the airport. And we were the only people there at the airport at this point. And so, well, come to find out there were other flights that had gotten delayed for different reasons, but whatever, that's not important. Anyway, so we're the only ones in that like nook of the airport. And so we start talking to people. And of course the rumor mill, you know, when, when the gate agents aren't telling you anything, the rumor mill goes crazy. But we start talking, or I started talking to a handful of people who were like, oh, I guess there was some guy who was being difficult. And also, I guess there is something with the flight recorder, but all they have to do is just disconnect it. And so essentially what to summarize sounded like happened was they possibly could have flown without that black box recorder being addressed, but they just decided to have it addressed force us to exit the plane, take all of our stuff and try to rebook people because it just, it benefited them more than if this guy creates some problem and they have to land in some random city on the way out is how I read it. And I just thought, and again, I'm making a lot of assumptions and it probably was just related to the recorder and I'm probably being dramatic and I'm probably not right. But I just thought the whole time, like, what are we doing? Like, what are we getting out of this? I I don't understand what flex he was doing on this poor flight attendant who's just trying to do her job and then only responding when a male bodied flight attendant comes over and him having no remorse, taking no accountability, not thinking at all, like, could this be related to the fact that I was clearly not going to be following the rules and for a three and a half hour flight, it's probably important that I do that and that the flight attendant doesn't want to spend the next three and a half hours arguing with me. And something else I learned, which I didn't know is, so flight attendants and captains have a certain amount of hours that they're allowed to be sort of in route at work, you know, capable and able to fly a plane, which I'm grateful for that. And they sometimes with flights, if they, if the cat, if the, you know, people flying the plane and the people attending to the plane hit their hours, the flight doesn't go anyway. So then everybody gets put up in a hotel and that happened to my mom actually. Um, and it was clear that they were kind of, you know, hemming and hawing so that they could get to their hours so they could be like, Oh, well, sorry, we're not flying in tonight. So all that to say, I don't know what it's going to take and what the shift is for people to like, I understand the mentality of, you know, I don't want to just get in line and not question anything. I I agree. Question all of it. Sure. Fine. Exercise that right. But the, the, to use a (laughs) not great metaphor, considering this is a travel experience, but the train has already left the station metaphorically. You know, we, you're already on the flight. You've already agreed to this set of rules. This is where I think it's problematic in general when people want to take this stance. It, it To me, it makes more sense to take the stance by writing your congressperson or, you know, going to D.C. or having a stand in or a walkout or whatever. Definitely not storming the Capitol. But to do something that is demonstrably allowing people to see, okay, they don't agree with this policy and there's power in numbers. And so gather 50,000 of your closest buddies who also agree with this masks are terrible nonsense and protest that. It's like, 
I would argue that there's far more pressing issues that we as a country need to address, but fine. You don't want to address those things. You want to do this performative thing that feels like you're being controlled and you want to bang on your high chair. You need to do it earlier in the process. You're too, you're too far in because now you're fighting. And this is my point in customer service most of the time. And this is what I walked through when I worked at a comedy club. By the time you get to me and you want to argue about two drinks, it's too late. The train has left the station. You have agreed to these rules in the context of the experience that you're having. And in the same regard, by the time you're on a plane and you're wearing the mask around your chin and you're being performative and that nobody should have to wear a mask and I hate this and whatever. Great. Cool. 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 Like do your thing, have that belief but you're arguing with someone who can't change the policy. You're only arguing with someone whose sole job is to enforce the policy. And so what you're doing is you're actually, I call it performative because what you're doing is you're saying to everybody else around you, look at me, big flex, big dick move. I'm showing my, I'm showing all my muscles right now. I'm the only one that's willing to be defiant. I'm the bravest one here. And it's like, My guy, you're not the bravest one here. You're the most frustrating person here. Not a one of us is stoked about having a mask. Well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe some people are. But for the most part, it is wildly inconvenient to breathe in your own stink for three plus hours. I I don't, I haven't talked to one human being that was like, you know, what's the greatest thing in the whole wide world is everybody being in a mask. And so I just would argue, and this is the same thing. It's like, I, you know, I've read all these articles where, you know, these psychologists are weighing in and saying, oh, people are at a breaking point. Everyone's having a hard time. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's accurate. But also we're in this place of who, who, why does someone have to catch your, catch these hands when you're frustrated? Why can't you walk through your own frustration and anger And not necessarily internalize it, but like go for a run, go to the gym, write it in your journal, call your best friend. I don't know. But this idea that somebody has to catch these hands and it's about to be you, low-level employee that has nothing to do with policy and can't change this in the moment, you're going to catch these hands. To what end? A plane got grounded. We all had to get off of that plane. So all of us, all the, I'm just saying a hundred because I don't know how many people this flight sat, but the 99 others of us all following the rules, all wearing masks, all very tired. Some had, some people had babies, you know, all of us are playing by those particular rules. And I'll be honest, the people that have made the comparison to, you know, oh, as soon as you don't question things. And as soon as you just accept blind authority, you're a sheep, you're part of the problem. You're blah, blah, blah. It's like, what about the position that as soon as you start doing those things, you're aware of your own community and you're, you know, you don't want to get other people sick or you, or you care enough about others that you're just willing to go along with something that's inconvenient because you give a shit. That's the part that's frustrating. And I'm all for questioning authority. Ask anyone that has ever been in charge of me. I'm, I'm all about it. But I'm also in the awareness that I am not the only person on the planet and I'm not the only person with needs and I'm not the only person that is being inconvenienced for the larger, greater good. So I think we're conflating the mask argument with a lot of things in this whole process. But what is actually worse is that you're taking it out on people who are in a position where you know they can't argue with you. You know they can't, you know, catch the, they're not going to put their hands on you, you know? And so in your 
overly without control life, you've chosen this moment, this experience, this right now to exert some sort of dominance or control. And it's just a bummer. It's a bummer to witness. It's frustrating to witness. And it inconvenienced my entire weekend trip. Like we didn't get in the air until 10 o'clock at night. And then it had trickle down subsequent effects. And that's the other thing. It's like you, sir, who took this position about your mask, your position affected me financially. It affected my time. It affected a lot of things trickle down because then it was so late by the time I landed in LA, I had to get a cab. And it just like, it's frustrating because your, your mask stance changed nothing for the positive. If anything, I mean, I guess it gave me an episode to discuss this and, and also all the other people that are doing this that have talked to me about it, like the, the other idiots that won't do, you know, on planes and stuff who aren't following the rules, you know, I mean, you delayed our flight, you delayed everybody getting home and the policy still stands. And that was three weeks ago that that incident happened. Hasn't changed the federal level yet. Still have to wear a mask on a plane. So what did you, what change did you actually affect? And in that regard, I'm like, oh, you wanted attention. That's what it was. That was actually what this was about. It's it's anytime anybody argues with a customer service worker, it's like, oh no, you're seeking the attention that you don't get in the rest of your life, or you're seeking to exert some sort of control. And trust and believe as someone who worked in customer service, that may be the hardest thing to deal with is people taking their day out on you. But then now I can't imagine people wanting to argue with you about how to best protect the community. I just, it's kind of like, I get, I get your battle cry of, you know, wanting to limit the federal government's hand in your life. Okay. I get that battle cry, but I don't get trying to make it at such a micro level. That's like being like my house is infested with carpenter ants and I'm going to kill this one ant right here. And that's going to, that did it. I really, I made a stand. And first I lectured him first. I lectured the shit out of that ant about him eating the wood in the interior of my home. And then I drowned him. And so good job me. And it's like, you know how many ants are actually in your house? It's kind of that, that sort of change. So it affects nothing except you inconvenienced one of the worker ants, inconvenienced and murdered one of the worker ants. And so I know that this audience doesn't need to hear how to best handle these situations because you wouldn't be in them. But I just wish people had the perspective of if you really, truly feel as if your rights are being infringed upon as a direct result of being asked to cover your face with some sort of, I don't know what it is, is it lycra? That's not it. It's not polyester. Whatever the material is, if you really feel like this is an issue, why aren't you mad that big corporations are not having to pay taxes? Why aren't you mad that people in leadership haven't had to pay taxes? Like, why aren't you mad about things like that? And it's just, it's misplaced, misdirected and misunderstood anger. And it's conflating real issues with your own performative. I didn't get enough hugs and it's frustrating. And that guy was a real jackass. And, you know, I definitely snapped a picture of him. He's definitely gonna be the picture of this episode. So you know what? Thanks, performative mask guy, for giving me another episode and <laughs> affirming what a few listeners have said that they've experienced in airports too. And if you have an airport or airline experience, I'd love to hear about it. 
Or if you yourself are a flight attendant and you're listening to this, I'd love to chat with you because I want to know all the things. I also want to know the inside baseball shit of when that male-bodied attendant came over, was it because she kept saying issue or did she like do a finger symbol that like gangs have so that that gentleman knew to come over? I want to know all the inside baseball things. So if you listen to this podcast and you work in that field and are not scared to be interviewed, I promise it's I'll be gentle then hit me up or hit us up at servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to chat with you and I'm sure the audience would love to hear it. I've actually gotten a, a, couple, a couple of people who listen have asked why I haven't had any flight attendants on and I have tried. I've reached out to a few. Uh, you'd be surprised. There are certain professions where people are kind of squirrely to chat and that's okay. I totally understand it, but you all know I'm gentle. I won't be mean. So the audience wants to hear from you. And I'm certain that the story that I just told is one of many, many, many. And yeah, and I also want to know if the flight got grounded because of that guy, if that's the truth. And if it got re like if they decided to let it go at like 930. So two hours later, because that guy was rebooked. I just want to know if one person has that amount of power, which maybe is dangerous information to make public because this is that whole control flex thing. But yeah, I want to know. So email us. Let us know. Be on the podcast. Join me. Be my guest. Oh, I want to sing the song. Don't have the rights. Disney will come get me. Okay. Thank you folks so much for listening. Like I said, if you have your own stories or you want to hear, um, if you want to submit a listener letter, send it to servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we're welcoming all the stories. And thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.